everyone, welcome back to the Sustainable Sleepover Club and this episode, which is our 24th, we are doing something a bit different, which we hope you enjoy. I'm delighted to welcome you to our book club. So each of us have picked two books, a fiction and a non-fiction. And we're going to have a chat about why we picked them, why we recommend them to you, maybe because we learned or enjoyed it and just have a little book club chat. Um, we'd also love to hear your favourite book, so do reach out to us using our Instagram or Twitter. And if you've already read some of our suggestions, tell us your thoughts and opinions, please. On top of that, we have some more big news. Um, so for our big announcement, we have a new podcast member. So Rohan Coleman will be joining us from now on. And before I say any more, I'll hand it over to Rohan to introduce himself. So could you tell us your age? pronouns, where you live, and one interesting fact about yourself. Um, hi, everybody listening. <laughs> I'm 16. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. I live in Nina in Tipperary. I think I'm the only one not living in Cork. Um, and my interesting fact is that I'm very educated on astrology. And Eve can back that up. I can back this up because I am a non-believer in astrology, but after getting my birth chart read, I still talk about it to this day. They can all collaborate that fact. I literally always talk about it. I'm like, this is so weird. He knows me, but I don't know him at all because he just knows me because of my birth chart. That's creepy. So, so there you go. Back up. my fact. <laughs> and before we get into our book club, um, so fun question. So what is the most recent TV show you've watched? So like an, even one episode. Could have been last night, Christmas, years ago, whatever. But no cheating. Last TV show you watched. Who wants to go first? Okay, well, it's just so embarrassing because I'm pretty much never not watching Gilmore Girls. Like it's like always on. But I have been rewatching Dawson's Creek recently, which I've talked about in the podcast before. It seems like I watched two shows. But I watch shows when I like I like need comfort. So Dawson's Creek and Gilmore Girls, I've been like rotating between the two. Um, and they're my favorite shows. And they're so good. I recommend them highly. I've only watched Gilmore Girls. I haven't seen the other one. It's so good. No one's seen it. Like I feel like, but it was made in like the 80s and 90s. And it's actually like, it talks about like really, like so much like serious, like deep topics, but like in this like teenage kind of way. I don't know. I love it. It's very like nostalgic for me. Hmm. Okay. Um, anyone else? TV show? I'm currently watching Dynasty and it's actually a really good show. It's on Netflix. I would highly recommend it. It's like, it's about rich people. I'm sorry. But like, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But like, it's so dramatic and interesting and there's plot twists. So yeah, there's four seasons. There's a fifth season coming out like now, but like, it's not on Netflix, but I have to watch that too. I literally just saw Dynasty like pop up on Netflix the other day and I was like oh will I watch it will I not so I'm gonna start now Ayushi I've got high hopes I've got high hopes um I it has Jade know. West in it so like it's good <laughs> I don't know who that is oh my god from Victoria Elizabeth <laughs> oh my god wait, okay Elizabeth. yes yes okay okay I hand quite clicked the whole character mm. thing and I thought I was like who's this person what actor um, is that <laughs> Um, I think my most recent is in lieu of the like the new the new season coming out. I've started rewatching the um the Umbrella Academy, which is absolutely iconic. When is the new season actually? I don't. I think it's March. I think so. Very soon. Stranger Things. Very soon. The month. Peaky Blinders. I'm so excited. Peaky Blinders next season. Yeah. When is that coming? 
I don't know. Last season. I'm so excited. I can't It's definitely the last season. Yeah, it's the last season. Oh. Like the finale. I can't. Like, I'm so excited. And like end of the last season. Oh my God. If I watch Peaky Blinders, like you will know, like the ends of each like season, each season is so intense. And this is like the cliffhanger. And I can't deal. Ah! Sorry. Kelly Murphy, I love him. Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My TV show, it wasn't me watching it. It was, I was at my girlfriend's house and she was watching it and I watched it with her, but it was Queer Eye season three, I think. Um, I really like that show. My favorite is Anthony. Um, I think that's a lot of, he's a lot of people's favorites. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah she watches it all the time and then it kind of makes me want to watch it again because my issue with tv shows i never watch past season two i just forget about it haven't watched past gilmore girl season two haven't well, i, I started Peaky blinders on season four watched season four and season five and then i watched season two you have to watch it from the start i know but it's amy's fault actually because she was, like, <laughs> she was watching it from season four with her whole family and i was staying with them and they were like, oh, we'll catch you up. Back, back for you, Cyril. And I was like, you have to watch this no. Because I was, I was, like, the first I was like, season still my favorite. Yeah, I was talking, remember, I was talking to you about it, and you hadn't watched the first season, like the end of the first season yet. And you watched it over Christmas, and we met up, or some, not Christmas, over summer, and you met up in the market, and we were talking about it for, I'm not messing, four hours straight. We talked yeah. <laughs> it is, oh my God, I can't believe you haven't watched it from the first season. That's so, oh my God, no. I can't do this. So it's, yeah. Okay. So Rohan has talked about Peaky Blinders. Um, what show was I watching? Okay. Last night I was watching, I finished, what was it called again? Midnight Mass. It's like this limited series on Netflix. It's kind of like Haunting Hill, I which I didn't watch. But it's like, rather than making a second season, they made this like offshoot thing, which is completely separate to that one. But it's kind of like, kind of like a vampire Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Kind of like a, <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like that kind of like slightly horry kind of thrillery type thing. But it was only like seven episodes of the Mission series, or it was either that or Shit's Creek. We watched both last night. I was with my family, um, so it was one of those anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, so now we'll get into our book club, um, so one nonfiction, one fiction, or just two books, and who wants to go first? Maybe I will as a new member. <laughs> okay. Um, so I don't have a fiction book, non-fiction book, because I don't really have any apart from my history project. Um, and I was going to talk about my history project, but then now we can do fiction. So my first one is A Single Man by Christopher Isherwood. Um, I really like this book. It's my favorite book because Christopher Isherwood, he was born in 1904 and he lived in Berlin from like 1930, 1940, end of the 1940s or like during when like Hitler started to gain power, but he was a gay man. So obviously that had a lot of repercussions for him. And he writes a lot about that into his books, but also this one is about a gay couple in California in the sixties, but one of the um, partners dies and the other one has to go about his day acting as though it was just his because they didn't say to people they were a couple because obviously that wasn't super acceptable in America then so he calls him like his friend from college and that when he died he moved away 
Um, so it just kind of follows him going about his day, first day, I think, after his partner died and kind of having to act like he didn't just lose like the love of his life and kind of has brief insights as to like the, um, I don't even know how to phrase it, like how gay, not even just gay men, gay people have to sort of like refine what they're saying uh, just in case of any like ignorance around them and it's it follows him over the course of one day which i think is really interesting there's no chapters um and it kind of because he his mind is kind of fogged up because obviously he's just lost his partner but like you kind of feel fogged up because it's just it's really realistic of how i think you would feel in that situation while also not being too heavy on you um i read it in one day and it said in one day and the ending just it broke me down but it kind of it was a nice ending for the character so um i really love this book and i think i should read it again actually after talking about it (laughs) i want to read it (laughs) yeah i really want to read it now i i actually i should have read it that time i think it was the summer was it summer you read it yeah down and you read it within like a day didn't I leave it with you? Did you just not read it? <laughs> you didn't leave it with me. <laughs> yeah, I did. Because I was going to read it again. Amy has piles of books to read. She's busy. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Stop. But did you? I gave it to you. Because so, for it. And I was time like, we're camping. What? That's when I read it. And yeah. Family drama. You were like, I was like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And you're like, oh, can I read it? I was like, yeah, sure. Here, take it. Because you were raving. What? (laughs) We're like raving about it. Yeah, whole car ride for like two hours. I was just talking about this in between listening to Rihanna. Um, (laughs) And you were like, healthy balance. (laughs) You were like, can I borrow it? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I guess you didn't bother reading it. (laughs) I didn't have it. Oh my God, okay. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Okay. Does everyone want to do one book or will we do like two books? Um, yeah, I guess go around. Okay. Who wants to go next? Gabby, have you I... said you're oh, going to go ahead. Oh, are you sheep? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I also have two fictions because I'll be honest, I don't read non-fictions. And my first one is uh, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Recently finished <gasps> it. Oh, so I read that. It's, I, I have I issues with this book. <laughs> What, I wish it, but I really don't. Wait, <laughs> why? No, go keep go say it. No, because I'm bad at picking favorites. So basically, whatever book I last read is no, it's a good book. It's a good book. No, it I is, is a good, good book. book. I have problems with the plot more than anything else. I usually just tell us what you thought. I'm a critic. <laughs> <laughs> forget about everything. Yeah, forget about. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that at all. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. But I never said that. Um, no, it's like you actually have to kind of. Mm, I don't know. I'm bad at describing how I feel about books. I just like kind of pick it up, read it, and I'm like, oh yeah, I enjoyed it, and just kind of put it down. <laughs> but the main character was so interesting, right? Yeah. 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 And like, I had a lot of strong emotions at certain points in the book. Mm-hmm. And I can't say anymore without spoiling anything. Mm-hmm. It was an enjoyable book. Describe the plot, maybe. Yeah. I feel like I'll give so much away, but like, it's no, just like one about. It's about Evelyn Hugo, shocker, and oh my god, <laughs> based on based on she's based on um I'm gonna put her name. It's, I don't want to say her name because um false. Based on someone, that, I yeah, I got, like sixties, that sixties actress who like married like a bunch of men. 
Okay, well, I can't remember her name. I'm so sorry. It's kind of set in like 50s, 60s. Yeah. Kind of spans a couple decades. And like, it's about her and her acting career and her also her marriages are big points in it. You know, it's kind of called Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And there's a lot more going on and kind of like, I don't know. I can't explain mm. books, but like, it's really interesting. It's like, it's um, it's not like seedy. I wouldn't say seedy, but it's very like, um, it kind of like has that whole like old Hollywood glamour to it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's fun to read. I read actually a few of, I think it's what's it, Anna, Anna Taylor Jenkins, is that her name? Or Taylor yeah. Jenkins Reid. No, it's yeah. Taylor Jenkins Reid. That's the author's name. I've read, I've read three of her books and I have the same problem on her books, but they're, 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 they're really fun to read. They're like such summer books, aren't they? Like they're so like, you want to like sit down on the beach and like read it over summer. And that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. I'm really obsessed I, over it right in like two days, two or three yeah. days. I like, I loved it because like, for the same reason that I think I ended up not liking like parts of it because like, I love the fact that like you kept wanting to like really read on and it was mm. very dramatic, you know, because it was like the seven husbands and you want to find out like, even when, when you're on like, five husbands you know they're seven so you want, like really want to keep reading and she really wrote that really well mm-hmm. but then I think towards the end she over dramatized it That's and exactly I won't say anymore yeah I won't say anymore now because like you might want to read it but I thought like the characters were really interesting because I thought like reading the blurb that you kind of thought you knew what the characters were going to be like and they were so like the story went mm-hmm. very differently to what I thought and like her relationships and like the seven husbands were all for like reasons like it was just really really interesting and I think the nuance in the characters and the plot was mm. what I really liked about it but like god I couldn't put it down it was like yeah. that completely that kind of book I loved it that way yeah it definitely like, challenges like your like what you think it's gonna be like you have these ideas of who or who she is gonna be and like who her husbands are going to be and like her motivations behind everything is like what's really evident for the entire book but like it's 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 I love the way it's written it's it's written as it's a journalist interviewing Evelyn Hugo for a magazine and there's two major plot twists and one plot twist is good and it's the whole like pinnacle of the book for me is like the plot twist but the second plot twist towards the end I hated it oh my god I actually there's three plot twists sorry there's actually three plot twists and this is too too many because the whole thing felt like plot twist but anyway yeah this entire thing was like and it's just yeah no it's very over dramatized and I think I honestly I think that the dramatization of it towards the end ruined the like nuance and subtlety and like of the book do you know what I mean yeah and it's also yeah it's written sorry yeah there's a there's a I feel like the author tries to address social problems and doesn't really do it that effectively I think like there there was like I know fiction doesn't have to be realistic but I think it was more realistic and I think that was useful because it was reflective of like how we think about celebrities and Mm -hmm. um like just generally like kind of all sorts of things like sex and relationships and press and media and loads of things um and I think up until that point where it just got too much I think yeah. it really did deal with those in like a very like also fun way like you really yeah. just reading it as well it wasn't like just teaching a lesson the whole time yeah I would definitely not like not recommend it I would like read it like it's yeah, fun read, but it wouldn't be like I've seen it. the reason I have a problem with it really is because I think it's so hyped on TikTok. That's what I've seen it from, and everyone's like, "Is the best book in the whole world?" I'm like, "Okay, well, I don't really think it's the best book in the whole world, but it is a good book. I would definitely recommend it." I'm sorry, you should. I'm like, I'm sorry, no, I just haven't read any books in a while. So that's no, it's such a good book. book. I really enjoyed it. Like, I'm not trying to slam your choice. I feel so mean. Oh my god. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. You were criticizing and we learning. You know. Yes. Yeah, discussion. Yeah. We do not always agree. Okay. Anyone my second else? book. My oh. 
Oh, yes. My second book. What? <laughs> what did you say? Are we Why doing this two at a time? Are we going like around the room? Like around Robin? That's what it's called. I don't know. Are we, we go around? Because we're all okay. going to do okay. one. Do you know what I'm going to do is like, while everyone is confused, I'm going to chip in what, what yeah. you said. And I've <laughs> Which is that, no, I get what you're saying. Because I feel like to a certain extent, you see things and it's like book talk. And everyone's like, oh my God, this was so good. Because I'd like the same feelings about they both die in the end. Has anyone read that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was overhyped for me. It lie. was overhyped for me. Like it was, it was good, mm. but like, it wasn't like, ah, you know. Yeah, I, I, mean, I had emotions, ah. but it was like more so like the hollow emotion after you finish a book. Like, 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 strong was really interesting yeah you know i like the concept but it was also like i i think it's just because everyone around me was going like oh my god it's so amazing you know <laughs> like i, I, just down. Down. I, I feel like it was too fast i felt like it was too fast like yeah um i guess it wouldn't really fit with the concept of the book but like it was so fast. I mean, it was fairly sense. self-explanatory. They both yeah. die in the end. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the title kind of ruined it for me because I was like, the way it was going, I thought it was going to end a different way. Mm. But then I was like, it's called They Both Die at the End. This isn't going to happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> no I feel like I think- if it was named differently, I would like it more. But... <laughs> that's my issue with it i think it was like i had some hope i was like oh no the, the title do you know i mean i'll be like that's you know nice. it'll be it'll They're be just trying to us. throw you or something no they weren't yeah. messing with us spoilers guys only just spoiled the entire book but i'll do an actual book that wasn't the book i was going to pick uh, <laughs> i read it young school i can't really remember an awful lot um i know we're supposed to pick two books I did not go off and pick two books. I had a panic, guys, just before we started recording, going like, oh my God, what am I going to pick? Came so, um, seven. what did you say, bro? She came back with a stack of like seven books. Yeah, so I did. <laughs> One of them was the oh. Collins French Dictionary, which genuinely I do read, <laughs> but I don't think anyone's going to want to hear about that. Um, so I'm going to do Good Omens, which is a Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman um and it is about the apocalypse <laughs> um, <laughs> that's and the best way of putting it um uh, no it's really good it's really funny it's kind of um really funny really funny i love it <laughs> guys the apocalypse doesn't actually happen okay <gasps> i used to point the book first <laughs> it's about averting the apocalypse okay so it follows an angel and a demon and this whole just collection of absolutely bizarre characters um which is what i like about the book everyone is so kind of eccentric um plus it was also really kind of interesting trying to like understand because this was written in like uh, 1990 or something i think i was not around in 1990 um <laughs> so i was there going like what's an answer phone like um why aren't they all just like pulling out a cell phone and calling each other um but it's a really good book it's really funny and there's kind of i think there's little I don't know what they're called but you know at the bottom where they like make a little like and and then there's a note at the bottom yeah it's filled with those um and there's like little references I think that like you get at least when you go oh I got that the writing is really clever um as well which is which is good but I've read it like a bunch of times and each time I read it I nearly notice something new so I like that it's a good book um would recommend guys it sounds interesting I like the whole like angel 
Demon there's a thing. There's a witch in it, Rohan. I don't know. Of <laughs> 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 interest. But she goes out and looks at the stars at one point. So, you know, yeah, an icon. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Well, speaking of the apocalypse, <laughs> my book. <laughs> no, Transition. Um, okay, so this book is called Educated by Tara Westover and it's a nonfiction. It's a memoir. Um, which doesn't seem like a nonfiction when reading it because it's her story is one of the most interesting stories I've read my entire life. So this book is actually part of the Leaving So English course this year. Well, for some people, like uh, it's like a choice, like it's on the course. You can choose to read it. So our teacher chose this book and I was very skeptical skeptical of the choice because her other choices are not that great. Let's just say that. But this book is genuinely one of my favorite books I've ever read in my entire life. It's amazing. If you can see the pages right now, like, the entire thing is nearly highlighted and annotated because I just, every single word she wrote, I, I, I loved. So the reason I went to the apocalypse is because it's a memoir of a girl who grew up in a very fundamentalist Mormon family in Utah. And her story of basically gaining her own education, which is obviously the title of the book, and independence from her family. And she prefaces the book by saying this book is not about religion. And it really isn't. It's not like... It's religious a big part of her life because it's it's how she grew up. But this book is not a shame or a critique on any religion as such. It's it's about education as a whole. And it's she's go basically the book is not chronological. It is tied up. She jumps back and forth from like her childhood to her like what she's learned since then, her childhood, to kind of explain the events that happened in her childhood now. So for example, her father like had a mental illness undiagnosed because she was never allowed to go to doctors didn't go to school wasn't allowed like wear any other like reeling clothes grew up hearing like very negative things about like race and like uh, sexism and everything and basically her father believed that the apocalypse was coming and he wanted to prepare them all for the apocalypse in y2k which is the millennium it was a, it was a big conspiracy theory at the time i'm sure everyone's heard of it it's kind of 2012 conspiracy theory that everyone heard oh, of yeah. the yeah. end. um but the, the book is amazing because Ignorance is one of the like biggest like stopping points to like progress like in the world. But this girl didn't grow up like choosing to be ignorant. She was like kept uneducated basically from so many concepts. And until she got to college, like she had never heard of the Holocaust. She put up her hand in class one day and asked what's the Holocaust. And they all thought she was mocking the situation, but she'd never heard of it. And her story is this beautiful like story of discovery and also family, because as she becomes more educated, her family becomes more distant and she ends up being like on very poor terms with her family. Um, but it deals with pretty much every like social concept under the sun from racism, to sexism, to religion, to mental health, to education, to like a lot of things. But it's it's never the one thing I like about this book is she never speaks for anyone else. It's truly her own experience from day one even when she talks about say racism she can obviously she can't speak for people of color because she's not a person of color but she speaks on how she learned about white supremacy and how like her how she upheld in her daily life and how she didn't even know what that was when she was younger like she just heard racist terms and didn't even know that they were racist didn't even like know what racism was she, it was like a part of her daily life and it's a really eye-opening story because it really makes you see that everyone can change and people's backgrounds are so influential how they are today, but that doesn't mean that they're stuck in those ways. They really can learn. And ultimately the importance of education and why education should 
everyone should have access to education and an unbiased education at that because it's so important and her story from going to like someone who couldn't read or write or do basic maths to basically self-teaching herself through high school going to college she ends up at harvard cambridge she you know what i mean she becomes a really successful woman and still has to deal with the struggles that she like endured during her childhood because you know success doesn't mean you're happy it's it's amazing book i would really 100 recommend it i think amy's read it too actually yeah i think as well like what you're saying about how it like deals with because i've read it as well um but i think like what you're saying about how it deals with so many issues like you know any practically any social justice issue like um gender inequality and racism and like just to go on but it's also I th- and you were saying like and education being one of those but I think like really education is like within every one of those conversations like how fundamental education is and learning and listening and kind of combating ignorance is to every one of those issues and to ending those inequalities um and I think like the way it's written is incredible as well because like it's hard like as you said it didn't feel like a memoir or like Mm. it just it was written like because it's hard to understand how someone doesn't know what like racism is at the age of like when she's in college you know like that's very hard for us to understand but the way she writes it is not just saying like, yeah, but I didn't go to school and I had this kind of family. She writes it as she was like her, almost like the way her brain was thinking and analyzing situations and like mm-hmm. um, processing things at the time. So you really do like understand where she's coming from. And yeah. I think you can really empathize with her, like the way she's written it. She's written it in a really gentle way, but it's so powerful. Yeah. And it also, yeah and I really liked as well like I think everyone takes something slightly different from it like I took loads from it but I think for me when I read it initially I was more so kind of like wow like it's so like the fact that we go to school and school is not completely but it's quite accessible to everyone in Ireland um is really important and to value that but like my mom read it before me And that's how I read it. It was just lying around the house. And she was saying, oh, yeah, that's interesting. You took that up. Like, she was really focusing on the fact of, like, oh, my God, the, like, importance of parenting and how Mm. much of an influence um, people at home can have on their kids. Um, And that's what she really took up from that book. And I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, it's definitely, like, those different factors can come from because there's so much issues. There's, like, you could take so like I gotta talk about this book for I could write a thesis on this book and how much like it's impacted me and like how amazing it is and I really do love that like it is it's almost unbiased even though it's her own memories and she really backs up her own memories with like uh her journals her diaries when she's younger her brothers her sisters like everything is backed up it's, it doesn't feel like it's like um an attack on anything like say religion or her parents for example it really feels like she was trying to just it almost feels like a journal like she was trying to get her thoughts in order um, and actually we, you find it towards the end that it, the book was originally written as like a thesis I'm pretty sure I, I, as a, a something to do with like parenting I'm pretty sure and like religion I can't remember the exact like title of her thesis but her, her tutor basically said like no like make this a book it was so passionate and also if you love the English language you will love this book because she is a talented writer like purely talented like her descriptions her metaphors her analogies are so beautiful to read if you love the English language like it's one of the most beautifully written books ever like it's not enough to have be a good story it's also be written and also like you were saying like it is relatable which is insane because it shouldn't be her story is so unrelatable but how she deals with her problems and how you can identify with like 
such universal issues, even though she had such unique upbringing. It's it's really it's a talent. It is a real talent. Yeah, it was an incredible book. I would definitely recommend it as well because like when you're reading it, like it sounds now the way you've described it as like, oh my God, like that sounds like a lot. But it's <laughs> it's a really sense. lovely book to read and like it yeah. is very it's enjoyable. Like, yeah, it's really yeah, enjoyable. It's like, there's like suspense and tension and like moments of like happiness and sadness and like there's drama. It's 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 a it's a one of the best books I've ever in entire life. It's amazing. It's very cool. Um, so mine is I go do, I do my non-fiction first. Um, so mine is Women, Race and Class by Angela Davis. And I said I'd do this one because it was Angela Davis's birthday um this week. Um so basically the book is it's non-fiction and it's about the intersections of women, race and class. Um and it's a history book, really. It's not that big, but there's kind of different chapters and they go from like different times in history like slavery the suffragette movement right up to like much more modern kind of it's a a lot to do with kind of movements and social justice and stuff like that but it's really interesting because like for example the suffragette chapter like when I was younger like I was just like I, I just like I suppose feminism was kind of the first thing I learned about in terms of like social justice type stuff um probably from the experience of like being a girl do you know what I mean and kind of caring about it first um and the books like books on feminism were really like easy to find there's so many books on feminism but the ones that you'll see more are kind of like a lot of the time by like white authors and stuff like that um and I read a lot about the suffragette movement and it wasn't really until I read this book that I kind of understood the nuance of the suffragette movement um and I think so basically the suffragette movement is kind of how in our heads women won the vote. And it is true that from the suffragette movement, women won the vote, but it was mainly white middle class women who got the vote because it was I think it was women over 30 um, who I, I think one of the rules could have been that they had to be married to like a man of a certain status. Um, but there was definitely another one that you had to have um property um of a certain you know degree which basically meant that it women who won the vote were people who had money which means that they were of a higher class and who were already had privilege which meant that it was normally white women again and that means that like the power is obviously it was it was incredible that women won the vote at all but the power was staying with the same people. And a lot of the people, like some suffragettes actually excluded um, black women, lesbians, um, like tra- trans activists and stuff like that who were fighting in the movement. They actually tried to exclude them even though they were like really instrumental initially. Um, but even at that, when they did get the vote, we kind of mark that as the vote and actually it was so exclusionary for many people and black women didn't get the vote until um all people of color got the vote and um, so I think that like is so interesting and like so important to keep in our minds not just when we look back on history and have a, always having a critical view on history and not just seeing like the suffragette movement and the civil rights movement as separate but like always looking at the intersections but also like now when we look at something like the climate movement like how it intersects with loads of other issues and you know who's at the fore of it again and not even who's fighting the most and who's more likely to be an activist but who is then reflected in the media the most and that's only one chapter but that's kind of like the premise of the whole book 
Um, and it's like, it's not written as complicated as that sounds. I probably didn't explain it that well, um, but it's just really, really interesting. And I think just she has such a critical way of writing. Um, and I think it's like really important to bear in mind. And yeah, I love that book. It sounds so interesting. Like that is so true. Like you don't even, like it sounds bad, but like a lot of time you just don't like think about stuff in history. You kind of accept history as it was when, like without ever like fully going into it and like thinking, wait, but what was the in- like intricacies of that event? Like, do you know what I mean? And it's, it's so, it's so important even today, like to like acknowledge like the media and how like who's represented at the top and who's like, you know, being like, I guess you said like represented in the media the most and stuff. It's such an important topic. We had to talk about this last week even how like lots of things in history happen at the exact same time and we don't even like don't know in this world right now there is not like one person like there are one Mm -hmm. story or one thing in history like there is so much happening it's the same in every time in history and uh, like that's yeah I think it was Gabby who said that she was like I think you said you found out that like Martin Luther King and Anne Frank were like alive or born at the same time or something like that what was it you said yeah it was this was like something I literally learned like last week and I was like oh my god they were born in the same year yeah Um, which you 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 don't think of like you think of them being this completely different eras but they were and both of them experienced a form of racism a form of prejudice you know what I mean in the same era like and yet this the way people talk about like Germany during that time obviously reservedly is like quite negative but then you have like Martin Luther King who did the same thing in America people kind of just accept that being like oh yeah well you know it was just the way it was like you know what I mean whereas we don't talk about like Germany in the 1940s you know what I mean and that's just like it's so it, the way we think about different things is so interesting and sometimes we try I think we try and separate it sometimes because it's easier for our minds to handle yeah. I think separate <laughs> but actually like that isn't how it was and that also like same with kind of all these issues like in women race and class like they do hugely the fact that they are all happening and linked and you know all these things do interconnect hugely influences you know what happened and who they impacted and the experiences people had coming out of that so it is really mm-hmm. important to look at history that way and now as well yeah. I think it's so interesting because even you were talking just like earlier on in the I was trying to remember the exact figures and I can't but I think when a, women originally got the vote in mm-hmm in like Great Britain I think you have to be over the age of 30 and again yeah. you either have to yeah. be married to a man who owned land or you had to own it yourself yeah. I don't even know if you could own it yourself at that point I'm not sure but um but again that was a very limited number of people in the overall mm-hmm. population so that's I interesting think, I think at that time when women would vote Ireland uh, Ireland would have been included in Great Britain wouldn't it uh, yeah. Ireland Basically, I'm pretty sure, like in the 1922 Constitution of the Irish Free State, that women were over 30 were allowed to vote and men over 21, as far as I'm aware. That was when Ireland became a free state, and that was in the 20s. And I think De Valera wrote a constitution, but we all know how sex that constitution was in 1938. And, or 930, I that was not 1938. I can't remember when that was. I think, no, it was 1938. Yeah, it was 1938, I'm pretty sure. Here was the constitution, 27. And it was basically a woman over 21, I think, got, like all women got the right to vote, as far as I'm aware. But it was still like younger for men. It was like younger ages for men and higher, higher women. But even in like the North, um, in the 19, like in the interwar period, like property owners had more votes. Not even women, like property owners had more votes. And obviously in the North, a lot of Catholics didn't have property. Um, So 
like gerrymandering obviously took place and like it's all political ways of like keeping the people they want in power so we can look at the north and say oh well at the time unionist governments wanted to keep protestant unions in power so they're like for engaged in gerrymandering and made the vote like be on how much property you owned so to keep like catholic or nationalists out of parliament and like we can talk about that here and critique that here but yeah when we talk about women it doesn't really come up ever a lot of a lot frequently do you know what i mean like we, we have a different perspective on like the north than how we do to like our own history with women and how we treated women in ireland i think yeah even when you think about history like i mean because you know again like the vote great but there was all this other kind of stuff written into the law that was discriminatory as well and sexist yeah. and even the concept of like this was like wild to me when I learned it. But the fact that like if you were in like um, a public service job and you got married, you had to quit. Yeah. Like that was it, you know, mm-hmm. and that was recent. I mean, yeah. like as far as I'm aware, the constitution today is still has the same article that Deborah Dara wrote in 1937. I'm pretty sure they wrote the constitution the year. And it's woman's place in the home. I'm pretty sure that's still there today, like in our constitution. Yeah, which is insane. Like, I mean, come on. Like, what's going on? Like, we've had a, we've had like seventeen amendments to the constitution since we've written. Let's make another one. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, we've had thirty-eight amendments. Sorry, not seventeen. We have thirty-eight amendments. I'm getting all my dates confused. If I'm wrong, please like t- correct me. I'm sorry. I'm so bad at dates and names. We could always get something wrong. That's just like practice <laughs> for the whole vodka. <laughs> um, does anyone want to share any other of their books? Everyone has gone around once, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring up my nonfiction um, because I think Eve kind of led into it nicely there. She was talking about World War II. Um, And my nonfiction is a book by Tommy Reichenthal, who is a Holocaust survivor. And it's called I Was a Boy in Belson. Um, And I actually met him when I was 16. Uh, His story is really interesting because he ended up living in Ireland and he has been there for the past, he's been here for, I don't know, I'd say well over 40 years. I'm not certain. Um, don't quote me on that. I don't exactly know when he uh, when he moved. But um, but yeah, it's just his story and the story of his family. And um, it's really, really interesting. He was in Bergen-Belsen, uh, if you haven't heard of it, was a concentration camp, I think in what was then Czechoslovakia, um, I think. Um <laughs> I'm very bad at countries, lads. Um, but he was, um, his family were Jewish. And obviously when Hitler took power, he was sent to Bergen-Belsen alongside his grandmother and his brother, and I think his mother as well. Um, and I mean, the book is just, it's incredibly well written, um, but it's so like, because I heard him speak as well. He gave a speech and it's just, I suppose the things he talks about like are so incomprehensible, you know, I mean, because he spoke about and he writes about as well, he like as a child playing hide and seek behind piles of corpses. Do you know what I mean? Like such horrifying, horrifying things. You can't like, you can't even imagine it. Um, but he... Yeah, he moves on. So he um, survived and he talks about the liberation of the camp and he talks about moving to Israel and he talks about coming to Ireland and getting married and his family. And then he returned to Bergen-Belsen again in his later years. And I think he made a documentary about that as well. But um, it's it's a heartbreaking story, to be honest. Um, it's really, really heartbreaking, you know, 
And to think that similar things happen to so many millions of people is just horrifying. But I think especially at the back, there's an index at the back. I have the book in front of me actually here. Um, there's an index at the back of the members of his family who died from his mother's side and from his father's side. And it spans about two pages. Um, and it's like his grandparents, his uncles, his aunts, his cousins. You know, it's, yeah, it's, um, I, I don't really know what else to say, to be honest. It's a, it's, it's a very, very... Um, incredibly well-written book I would recommend reading it honestly is he um still alive like you said you met him he is to my knowledge um he I think he lives in Dublin I yeah I met him a couple of years ago so um yeah as far as I know he is but um yeah he's and he was an incredible speaker as well um because it was like a program with the schools I was there with my class and he goes and he talks to school kids about about his experience and about anti-semitism and about racism and he it was the first time I'd ever heard anyone talk about it actually but he was kind of talking about like the I don't actually know what it's called but it was basically kind of a pyramid to genocide I don't I don't think it's called the genocide pyramid or anything but he was kind of saying that like how it all begins like he said it like it doesn't obviously it you know the holocaust didn't start with concentration camps it started with Mm -hmm. you know kind of anti-jewish comments and then anti-jewish propaganda and then anti-jewish laws and then it kind of built that it built up that way you know so he spoke about like you know obviously prevention and about standing off for people who are being discriminated against mm-hmm. and yeah an incredible writer and an incredible speaker um and a very very interesting person to hear and that's why it's so important like it can be hard to learn and read about those things but it's so important like to keep mm-hmm. learning like it's it's i like everyone understands like it's so hard to sit down and read a book that like you know is going to be so heartbreaking but it's necessary it really is necessary you can't ignore these things like you said like the like it, it is like you said a pyramid, so I'm going to use that analogy of a pyramid. Like the first concentration camp was set up like in the 1930s, but it was a concentration camp, a work camp. They became extermination camps, but that was a long journey. Like, well, it's actually too fair, not that long, it was like 10 years. But it, you know what I mean? Like it didn't just start with them. Like it didn't start with a mass genocide. It began with, like you said, propaganda, which we see everywhere today, propaganda. Do you know what I mean? And it is, it's so important. And I think what you also said, it was interesting, like, the liberation of the camps. Like that, like... People often think, oh, yeah, the Americans came and they liberated the camps and that was all good. But it, there was millions of people who were displaced from their homes and couldn't go back. And you could say he went to Israel. Millions of Jews went to Israel because it was seen as like the new, it was basically seen as like the, like the, the like, um, like the beginning of Judaism, I guess, because that's where obviously, you know. So a lot of like, Jew, like millions of Jews went to Israel and then like, actually not a lot came to Ireland. A lot went to South America and, and to America in general, but like, we think of like the end of the concentration camps as it's like amazing like thing. They were ended, they were liberated, but like millions still died after they were liberated. Millions were displaced, millions were homes. It didn't just was fixed all like that. It took like years for them to get visas to move to America or to like move or money just fled. Money had nowhere to go. Money couldn't remember their last names or their family members. It wasn't like, it didn't just, it, it's still there, you know? And you said like his, that, that the back of the book is like his family members that like experience is still relevant today and like that is still felt today and it didn't just like it seems so long ago but yeah he's still alive and he was still surviving and like 
it seems long ago, but a lot of our grandparents are like would have lived during that time. Like it isn't that long ago. We can't forget or like ignore it because it's uncomfortable to talk about. We should be talking about it. And I think as well, like it's really important when we look at like, obviously with the Holocaust, it's important not to like compare current events exactly. And like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's important not to compare just in, in general to something like the Holocaust and genocide. But I think it's really important that we don't disconnect like that time in history to now, like you're mm-hmm. saying about the pyramid, just in general, that like there like there also has been like, you know, mass murder and things like that since since then in other countries that we don't hear about so much. But even just in terms of like, as you're saying, the pyramid and just the there's still so much discrimination in different ways and so many people and um, not just anti- anti-Semitism, but just generally there's a, still so much discrimination and not to disconnect that. And that's why remembering events in history is so important. Um, and I think as well, like what you're saying about that bit at the end was really interesting um, with the like names of family members and people he knew who he'd lost. Because I think so many times we see big headlines with numbers mm. in them especially mm. with the holocaust because it's in the millions like um but none of us can imagine a million lives you can try and you'll see dots in your head because you can't imagine a million living breathing lives connecting to one person so like i think making it being like this is who i've lost and more so like who I've left like there's hardly anyone um so I thought that was really profound yeah yeah massively I mean you know and you're right Amy I think like everyone you know every every single one of us lives a life that is so complex and so so different and every person we see around us does as well and I suppose yeah there's there's so many people's stories who you'll never hear surrounding the holocaust because because they were murdered, because their entire families were murdered. Um, you know, so definitely I think it's so it's so important to I know the kind of the phrase that is repeated again and again when it comes to like Holocaust memorial is never again, you know. But I think it's so it is, it's so important to remember, to remember what has happened, you know, and to to actively prevent things like this happening again, you know, and Mr. Reichenthal spoke about about that kind of act of prevention and you know again and he was right what he was saying it starts with it starts with small things you know it doesn't day one isn't concentration camps it starts with um it starts with behaviors and mindsets and then they they become written into law and then it builds and it builds and it builds but yeah it's an incredibly interesting book and I liked the way again that he spoke about his life after liberation. Um, it's been a small while since I've read this, um, so I can't give you any exact details. But he speaks about. I think he went into engineering. I'm trying to find this now, lads. Um, and he he speaks about again about moving and about you know about meeting his wife and about about coming here about coming to Ireland. Um, you know. But yeah, it's his story. It's so packed with detail, mm-hmm. and um, and there's pictures as well in the middle of it. But but yeah, guys, that that is the book I picked. It's it's a it's a fantastic book. I do think everyone should read it. To be honest, yeah, um, 
you know, we were saying about like it starts with small things. I think one that like is so prevalent even today is like the blame game. Like Hitler painted Jews as like greedy, like taking jobs, mm. taking money, like ruining the lives of Aryan Germans. Like that was how he painted Jews. And you know, we still see that like message today. Like, oh, like say, I don't like people are taking jobs. People are like whatever. That's kind of like a notion that like, like immigrants would be taking jobs from Archival, which is just this insane notion but it, it creates hatred and it stems from hatred even in like the 2008 financial crash in Ireland like it was like public sector versus private sector teachers and like civic civil servants versus like the private enterprise and like the media pitted the two against each other to a point where like it created a resentment for like public workers and stuff like that which is insanity like it it the blame game in general even with COVID like you see like one week it's primary schools like little children primary school are spreading the virus one week it's millennials one week it's people in workplaces one week it's the, the bosses at the workplaces who won't open the windows one week it's the schools it's, it's, it's not helping this like blame game and this idea of like pitting people against you to further like your political agenda is what we need to watch out for always because it's still going on today like in every way yeah, and like I think this week was Holocaust Remembrance Day. It was, yeah. Um, and I think like something to be really cognizant of is like Eve was saying, just being really mindful within the media and how you mm -hmm. consume media. And media is so important, like it really is, but it that can be in a positive or a negative way. So just be like really critical in the media you consume, I think, as well. Just like mm -hmm. a little action. <laughs> So just to kind of echo what both Gabby and Amy said and hearing you said that you had met him, I think it's kind of stresses the importance of hearing people's actual stories about historical mm. because mm. a lot of times with historical events, specifically World War II and the Holocaust, you only really hear about it or the first time you hear about it is like in school with this happened, this happened, this happened, not really kind of the effects of that or the people affected. Yeah. Um, and I think reading and hearing people's actual stories who have experienced it as opposed to just like a school book that was published really opens your eyes to the actual extremities that kind of went on and the actual impacts that happened as opposed to like the global impacts because mm. education kind of focuses on international impacts as opposed to local impacts a lot of the time. And I think in big events like that, it's really important to look at individuals. Um, yeah, and I think like a way to do that, my history teacher was incredible when we were learning about this because every single time she gave a stat, like one million, whatever it was, every time she gave a stat like that, a statistic, she told us a story. So she like took out one person who survived or didn't or whatever it was, a, a, like a Jewish person within the Holocaust and told us their story, that person's story. And I thought that was just not even in terms of like, now you know that's the person's story, but in terms of like a way of thinking about history, more so as like, yeah, literally a mind frame. I thought that was, mm -hmm. I didn't realize that at the time, like how important that was, but like that's, and it was something so simple for her as a history teacher to do, to give us that bit of extra information, but it like really, ref like it was reframing the whole history course really by doing that. Um, and yeah, I th like I, she taught it brilliantly in fairness. And I think that's a like a really good way for any of us going forward, looking back at history. I think it's easy to forget sometimes that history is composed of um, like living, breathing human beings, mm. you know, of people, people, you know, it's not just it's not facts and figures and 
um it's not events happening by themselves it's they like it was all people who lived through this do you know what i mean yeah absolutely um bit of an like transition of what does anyone <laughs> want to give their next book so my next one is on earth we're briefly gorgeous by ocean vong um this is he usually writes poetry and that's kind of what he's known for and this is his first novel but i really didn't tell it's so beautifully written um and just the way that he he doesn't really use metaphors or anything but the way that he sets a scene is just unlike anything i've ever read and you can really you can like you only read a book you can almost hear and taste everything that is mm -hmm. happening i felt like i was there you know what i mean like his descriptions are incredible but it's written in the format of because he's vietnamese and it's written in the format of him writing to his mother who can't speak English and kind of just talking about he, how he grew up. Like it's kind of a reflection on childhood. It's like fiction mixed with nonfiction. Um, but it talks about the Cold War because his grandmother was alive then. So they moved to America and it, it touches on so many topics. And the, I could talk about this for hours, but it talks about his grandmother. It shows her PTSD from the war. And they moved to America. And so 4th of July, there was fireworks and it showed her like waking them all up and making them hide because she thought it was warfare. So it talks about kind of focusing on the PTSD of the Cold War. And then it talks about the difficulties of her grandmother and the mother as immigrants in America who cannot speak English. Um, it kind of, he kind of reflects on how he saw them react to things and it kind of is eye-opening as like I'm Irish living under my whole life. Do you know what I mean? It kind of shows like the um, things you don't really see, like the simple things that you wouldn't even think would be an issue. You know what I mean? That it just it doesn't even occur to you. Um, it also kind of, he, the, he in the character, and I don't, I'm not sure if the author is gay or not, but he is gay. And it kind of talks about the relationship that foreign parents may have with their kids being gay in America or just in other country. Because she was very strict about it. She was like, you cannot be feminine in this country. You know what I mean? Um, and that was really interesting to see. And also, his first relationship, it was, oh, it was really interesting to see because I've never read anything like that where the person he was with, he said so many times, I'm not going to be the woman in this relationship. And that's, it's, I'm not sure when it's set, but it's not modern. It's kind of set in like 70s, I would say latest or 80s. Um, and it just touches on so many different topics in so many ways that like, it took me a while to read it because I need to just think about everything. But it's phrased so lightly that like you don't even realize all of the things that are being mentioned. You know what I mean? Because it said so, um, not subtly, but like nonchalantly about how he'd be woken up by his grandmother, like being very frantic and scared because of her PTSD. And then it moves on because that's just a memory to him because it happens so frequently. And it talks about obviously the Vietnam War in like historical terms and it's it's just so incredible like i really can't describe it as 
well as I want to because it's just such an incredible book. And I read it while we were studying Vietnam War and history. So I was kind of like able to put them together and it kind of made that topic in school kind of like what Gabby was talking about, about making it more personal than just this happened. You know what I mean? Um, and it was incredible because the mother's reaction to a lot of his, the mother was not a, not a bad mother, but in today's terms, she wouldn't be a good mother. But it was very interesting to see that humanized based on her experiences and all of her experiences. You know what I mean? It kind of humanized a kind of a stereotype, I suppose. Um, it's just so incredible. I talked about this for hours. It was just, and it's a lot of the time it's just written. You can't see, but it's just like sentences. Like it is literally mm. just memories. And he's like, you did this. I'm not mad at you because I understand, you know what I mean? And it kind of, it's a very humanizing book while also defend, not defending himself, but like it sheds the light on everybody's story that was in his life. Mm. And like his first relationship wasn't good because he, his partner wouldn't admit that he was gay, wouldn't admit he was with the man. And, and I'm not going to spoil it, but like he comes back <laughs> later and he still has love for him even though he was treated badly because he understands. It's very much like, I feel like the topic of Perks Being Wallflower, where he sees everything and understands, it is that, but amplified. He really understands everything and he makes mm -hmm. you understand it by just talking about it. And it's so incredible. I've never read anything like it. And I think it's his first book. He just written poetry before this. It was incredible, you know what I mean? It's- Sounds amazing. I, yeah. I heard about it online, it was very popular. Mm -hmm. And I understand it's not one of those books like we were talking about earlier where it's like so hyped up that you're uh, disappointed. I genuinely, my my expectations were exceeded reading this. It was just, there's so much depth. And like, I feel like it's one of those books, I've only read it once, but every time you read it, I feel like there's something new you can take from it. Or like, you could read it and be like, okay, I'm going to focus on the Cold War and PTSD. Next time yeah. I'm going to focus on like internalized homophobia. Do you know what I mean? There's just so many things you can focus on each time you read it and take away from it. Which... Yeah. I, I can't remember who said this, but it's someone else's quote, but they said like the most, sometimes the most universal is like the most personal. So like mm. a story that's like, as you said, a one person story, you know, to told is like really honestly as their person story can like, touch so many people and like be related to by so many people whether it is like just using those two like the perspective of internalized homophobia but then for people you know suffering PTSD or who've been through war or just want to learn about war and like that's just one person's story but like so many people will relate to that and um, I think it's really interesting. Mm. I've Yeah I've actually heard so much about this book I've not read it yet um, I think it's kind of written like as a prose letter, isn't it? Because yeah. um, I know, can we talk for a second about how gorgeous the title is? Like, it's yeah. so, oh my God, on Earth for Briefly Gorgeous. I heard that and I was like, oh my God. I know Ocean Vuong has like another book, I think Night Sky, which Exit Wounds, which is yeah. a beautiful title. Um, but yeah, I've heard so much about this one. I really do want to read it. Um, and I know a lot of people are talking about it at the moment, so... Yeah, very nice synopsis for I have to say. Thank you. <laughs> it's one of the only books that's made me cry. I don't cry often in books and movies, but this one really, because there were just so many things to take away from it, because his life wasn't bad, 
But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like, there's so many bad things. I don't understand how you can still feel for people. You know what I mean? Like, I feel Compassion. like, yeah, I was like, how are you still in contact with your mother? I was still in contact with this partner. But then it's like, it really is eye opening to the importance of empathy. I think, you know what I mean? It's like an underlying thing of like, when you understand people, mm. everything makes sense, which I mm. think is very prevalent, not just today, all time, you know what I mean? Um, and while it's yeah. not, the, no, this book isn't marketed as a, this teaches you about empathy. It's like, <laughs> when you read it, you're like, how is he still so hopeful about these people when he's been treated badly? But then it's like, he understands why they're like this. And while he doesn't, mm. He doesn't excuse it. He doesn't condemn it either. And he's like, mm-hmm. you're like this because of this. I know it's not you. I know it's not mm-hmm. because of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that it's really yeah. not a rare thing, but you don't see it. Important. Often. Yeah. I think it kind of nearly ties in a little bit with Eve's book, Educated That Way. Because again, I've not read either of them. But by the sounds of it, they're both very much books about kind of like how much people are products of their experiences. Yeah. You know? It's so true. Like it's 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 really about having compassion, like for others and for yourself too, and like having the like understanding and the empathy to like try and see where someone else is coming from before you jump to conclusions about it. Also, I want to crack myself because I said that educated was she's she grew up in Utah, but she didn't grow up in Idaho. I want to make that. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, as well, like just I think like what you were saying about how influenced people are by their experiences, like in the same vein that's why we can never like speak to people speak Mm. um, like um for other people who have got different experiences and that's why I think listening is again so important because you can't understand someone's experience without listening to them without understanding or reading about their story and like in the same breath that's where like on like really being comfortable with the fact that like you're constantly learning you you don't know everything about someone else's life and like how they've had to navigate the world because you've only navigated the world from your like your life, your yeah. your experience. And you can like listen and try to understand other people's, but just I think being comfortable with with, with listening and being open to that kind of like constant learning um is like a big takeaway from both those books. Yeah. Like you can't walk in someone's shoes, but you can't listen to their story. You know what I mean? Like that's just so important. Also, we should test Ronan. Rohan, what's the quote we always say in the podcast about listening? Do you know? Are you a real fan? Um, I would know, but I was practicing my name and my age and pronouns all day. I think you're going it wrong. Poor yeah. Rohan. First episode, you're stressing him out. Eve. I know, I'm putting on the spot. <laughs> it's, the, it's the motto of podcast. Who wants to go for it? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh my god, are we all? Amy knows. Wait two seconds, I know this. Yeah, you know it. Even uh, long... Are you cheap? Do you know this? Yeah. The original yeah. member doesn't know it. <laughs> it's listen to... Re- Wait, I got it wrong. Listen to understand, not to respond. That's the motto of our podcast. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I know, oh yeah. I was was to do it. All I had stuck in my head was, has anyone seen the trailer for Belfast? Kenneth Branagh's new movie. Nope. There's a line in it and this, I think it's his grandfather talking to like the young fella and he's saying, um, um, if 
because they're talking about like I think I have not seen the movie but this is what I got from the trailer that they're moving it's set during the troubles and that they're moving to England and obviously they have Northern Irish accents and the boy goes um that he's worried that they won't understand them over here and the, over there and the older guy goes um if they can't understand you they're not listening um so that was what was in my head um then I was like, <laughs> no, that's not the quote <laughs> exactly but you know uh, it's similar vein I can very quickly do my book just because yeah we've been doing it for quite like we've been recording for what so I'll do mine kind of quickly um but mine is Alga by Bern okay Bernhard Schlenk I'm gonna pronounce that wrong but um he's a really good writer um and I just really like this book it's all oh I have it over here one sec okay it's this book but um it's really good it's like it's basically it's kind of like the opposite of Rohan's book where it's like set in a day it's her like across her whole life um and her name is Olga and and she she, she's an orphan at the start and she marries like she's from Prussia and she marries um like a rich like aristocrat um and they're they're really in love, but he he gets preoccupied with kind of like exploring, and he goes like really far, like across the world. Um, and it's kind of about how they 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 you see their letters and stuff like that, and how kind of like faithfully she's in like in love with him, but um, the kind of the strain that that has put on their relationship, and then um, like it's she she meets like younger people when she gets older and she has this one relationship with this um younger boy like not a, like a romantic relationship or anything but it's it's just really nice story it's just written very like very relaxed to read and it's just kind of like the writing is lovely and it's just full of letters and it's just about her life and it's just like it, there's a lot of insight in it but it's about kind of like class and stuff like that but really it's just like a lovely book to read and he's also written better known um the reader which you might not have heard of but it is a better known book of his if anyone has heard of it and that's also a very good book but i just really liked this one so yeah that's my little synopsis on this one kind of hard to describe without reading it but i would recommend it <laughs> it's always the hardest thing to like describe a book without giving away the plot you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> you're like but this happens but i can't say what happens but it's actually really good so maybe just read it just read it well like oh next okay yes i was trying to think of a fiction book and i have had a massive problem because i was like do i go with like the classic which is my favorite book ever which is the book thief but then i was like no god i was gonna talk about the holocaust i didn't want like the whole episode you know, to be like centered around one theme so i was like okay i'll go for like some my favorite book my favorite series which was the Hunger games because i could talk about the Hunger Games for 10 years straight but <laughs> i decided i would spare you all the horror and I have my other favorite book which is i feel like pretentious saying this but like honestly is the ballad by sylvia plath i read this this year for the first time and i i, I saw it on tiktok for the first time i know <gasps> but i'd heard about it because she used to be on the leaving Sir english course and i read some of her poems before oh, oh my god like ugh, i can't i don't want to talk about it too much because i will just start crying like you said that you didn't cry a lot of books i cried at like every sentence in this book like i love 
I love crying. I love that sounds so bad. I I love connecting emotionally to a book. I love crying. I love I cry at like happy things. I cry at sad things. I cry. I cry at when she like they use beautiful words. I'm like, I just cry all the time. But basically, the book is based on like partially on her own life, Sylvia Platt's own life. Um, so it's she's like um, it starts off with her like working as an intern for a fashion magazine, and then it kind of like takes a turn and like follows her like kind of mental journey like in her life. Um, but it's incredibly interestingly written it's almost like she expects you to just know what's going on at all times like the characters introduced with just like they're just there like there's never any background to them really like maybe it comes in later on or whatever but like you could be reading and suddenly she's like oh yeah charlie is there and you're like wait but who's charlie and you feel like you're something but it's just like a disjointed like thoughts but it's all so eloquently expressed in this beautiful beautiful book it's absolutely heartbreaking like heartbreaking but she captures so many like I, like I don't even know like subtleties and nuances of just like being human and being alive while also like her experience is so unique and so like to her it's like so important um and like I don't know like it made me literally cry like so much because it's but it's beautiful and there's there's one I want to like do a little quote from it because I love quotes and this is like my favorite um like quote from it and I kind of think like this is why it's so relatable even if it's kind of not relatable to a lot of people is because she like she can use language to express like thoughts and ideas that you could never know put into words so basically she kind of like talks about oh, this is a long quote should I say it oh my god okay I want to say it because it's so good but she's basically like it's how I feel right now <laughs> like stuck at like a precipice precipice is that the word precipice yeah and like can't go forward but also can't go backwards and like can't decide what to do so this is the like quote i saw my life branching out before me like the green fig tree in the story from the tip of every branch like a fat purple fig a wonderful future beckoned and winked one fig was a husband and a happy home and children another fig was a famous poet and another fig was a brilliant professor another fig was eg the amazing editor another fig was europe and africa and south america another fig was constantine and socrates and attila and a pack of other lovers with queer names and all professions another fig was an olympic lady crew champion and beyond and above these figs were many more figs i couldn't quite make out i saw myself sitting in the crossless fig tree starving to death just because i couldn't make up my mind of which figs i would choose i wanted each every one of them but choosing one meant losing all the rest and as i sat there unable to decide the figs began to wrinkle and go black and one by one they plopped to the ground at my feet and that 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 like passage to me summarizes the like the whole book because it's so like obvious but yet so subtle and how she expresses basic human emotion and also the extremities of human emotion is so beautiful and so poignant to read and, and i would 100 percent recommend it it is heartbreaking do not I, my mother had my mom had covid a few months ago when i gave it to her to read i don't know why when she was in isolation i was like this is the worst book you probably read ever in isolation but <laughs> so don't read it if you're isolating with covid um read it if you're like happy no i don't know it, it is heartbreaking but it, it i would 100 recommend it especially if like you like reading about like emotion and human emotion and how we cope with it it's beautiful and it's also I haven't, I haven't read it but like that quote like because initially when you start talking about like you know one fig is like the you know the family and i talk fast sorry if that was very wrong yeah <laughs> <laughs> like I think initially, I, like I thought 
I kind of got where the quote was going. So I was like, yeah, you know, all these different like lives you could choose. But like the way she started talking so vividly about the figs, then um, like um, ripening and like yeah. having mm. to choose. And like, especially because we're all in secondary school, we've all like had to think about what we mm. want to do in the future and stuff like that. And I know, especially me and Eve have been like very unsure. And stuff like that. Um, so, but like, it's so I really relate to that. And that was only a short quote, but like, not just related to it, like the vividness of that in my head. And yeah. also then not just as an image, but also as an emotion. Like, I'm really excited, like, not excited because you said it was heartbreaking, but like <laughs> excited to read it because like, that was only one And like, that has had such, it's so profound already. Mm-hmm. I've just started actually. Um, I've just started. Carol, who's not. I told him to get it for you. I was like, you got, me, got, me, yeah. got me the most gorgeous one. So beautiful. But um, I've actually heard that quote before, though. I knew it was a plot. I didn't know it was in the bell jar. Yeah. But, um, that's always been, that's always stuck. It's stuck in my head since I've heard it actually. Just hearing you now say it again. Now bring mine. Um, <laughs> Everything. It's so vivid. It's the idea of the passage of time and it's the path not taken, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I suppose even I always think like nearly kind of a butterfly effect, the little decisions we make and the effect they have on our lives. It's just mm. yeah. wild to think about. Um, like, like, as you're saying, language, like I would have felt that, like exactly what she described and thought about that. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think I could ever have written something that put it into words yeah and someone like a million other people have probably thought the same thing and yet like yeah as you said using language to Mm -hmm. really connect with people and make that relatable and put it into words in ways that you never even thought you needed to and because everyone everyone has felt that like feeling of being immobile in your life and being unable to stop time like that's for me like my biggest thing is control and the one thing I can never ever ever control no matter how I try is time it just goes on like it goes on you cannot change it and if you like that's the way like it feels like it feels like you're sitting in a tree and there's these choices ahead of you and you can take this path or this path and everyone's like oh you're young you're 18 there's so much like choice for you but there's it's like too much choice like I like it's so hard to like make a choice and be definite about it and think okay this is what I'm gonna do this is it now and go and follow that path but to try and even me describing it right now is so hard to describe it but she just eloquently just like makes this analogy of the tree and like you will all be thinking this now for the rest of your life <laughs> the idea and the imagery that she uses and the language and the metaphor is like they're so profound and they're so beautiful and yet they're not like crazy difficult concepts to understand like they're just like they're proper raw human emotions and, and I love that like I really love that and I love how people use language to like connect to other people I think it's even the book thief my favorite book in the whole entire world like that's why I love the book thief because when I read that book, it really like made me appreciate language because the whole book is about language. Like it's about how we use propaganda and language and words to like connect and get feelings across and like influence. And it's it's so powerful how we use our language. Even the podcast, like I'm so scared of everything I see on the podcast, but I hope that like even one thing we said comes out of it is like impactful in the way that we talk or what we talk about. You know what I mean? Definitely. Brilliant. No. Nice. Read. <laughs> Mine is a lot more lighthearted. We need a lighthearted one, please. Less serious than all of yours. We need a lighthearted one. We actually do. This is too intense for me. 
I think <laughs> some some of you have definitely read this. Um, Percy Jackson. Uh, oh my god, yes, Ayushi! <laughs> <laughs> it's my comfort series every time. It, I have to read it. I love it so much. It's the one thing that got me into like Greek mythology and mythology in general. And just anything by Rick Riordan. I love like all of his books. I haven't read all of his books, but all the ones that I have read, I love them. Obsessed permanently. And my favorite is uh, Heroes of Olympus, House of Hades. Same, 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 same. same. So good. I love oh, it. Yeah. Oh, there my there are cover books. They are such cover books, but they have like deep stuff in them. Like mm-hmm. I'd be sobbing over those books. Like These... when they fall into like um to Taurus, like Anna and yeah. wait, what's name? Annabeth and Percy. Well, that that whole context of like spoilery. Oh my god, I literally spoiled it. I just assumed that everyone's read it. They're, they're oh iconic. God, I'm so sorry. Iconic books. I'm not gonna lie. These, these are the reason that I tried to like dye cupcakes blue when I was like 11 years old, <laughs> and they were they turned out green, guys. They were not appetizing. <laughs> oh, one time on St. Patrick's Day, my dad made green French toast and green oh. milk. I was like, you know what? You've gone too far. Put it back in the fridge. Do you guys hear the news that um the show has yes. officially been greenlighted? It's like definitely on 100%. And he's producing it, right? He's producing it, yeah. Well, thank God, because the movie is what were they? All the directors. Oh, God. We do not talk about the movies. The directors, everything. They have like kids that are obsessed with the series. And oh my God. I'm so excited. Better be good. Where's it going to be on? As everyone knows, it's going to be on Netflix. Hopefully, please. I don't know. I can't pay for HBO. Stop HBO. You're taking over my life. The fourth series is the fourth series is like going to be released in 2023. Like the first book of the next series. It's going to be released There's in 2023. Series. Wait, this is why I'm confused. Yeah. Have you read Trials of Apollo? I got. I got. Okay. I got the first one. Apollo. I got. I didn't love through Trials of Apollo. And then I don't know. I just got turned of Apollo. <laughs> I'm sorry. Really I didn't. Mad. I couldn't get into tra- like. Trials of Paul the Interstices. I read it, but I don't remember a single thing that happened. In it. I remember girl. The, some evil guy. Yeah. Um, wow! In every oh, single book ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, the evil guy. <laughs> I'm I'm evil guy. <laughs> also, in terms of like diversity and representation, it's like the first book that I've had characters mm-hmm. that I somewhat relate to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the True. books I've read before that, like Harry Potter, Hunger Games, just the classics and stuff. Never really had a character I could relate to and see myself as part mm. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that is one of the fantastic things about the books. Is they're they're mm-hmm. a classic children's series, but they also, especially the second series, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they're they're a diverse they're a diverse crew. You know, which is how mm-hmm. it should be. Um, you know, but yeah, they're an amazing book. Like, if anyone here knows, like a ten year old, um, who's yeah. not read them Any yet. Age. Any age, but I'm just saying, you know, from the age that you might start getting to interested is kind of, yeah. you know, um, do also do like he does so much research, like his stuff mm-hmm. is so well written, like it doesn't feel like, um, like, yeah. like fake or like yeah. cheap, it feels yeah. like very well researched and very well, like, done. And the Irish mythology thing, like he's it's gonna yeah. be probably a couple of years before that, but still, that. and like he did the entire course at UCC. Is he doing Irish mythology? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god! And you know it's gonna be good. You know it's gonna be well written, like not just like some. Oh, I'm obsessed with Irish mythology. Oh my god, I'm so excited. (laughs) I think I have to read something by him. I have read anything. (laughs) You're smiling while you're (laughs) spangirling. 
Okay, wait, I have a good question. Too. Okay, Amy, I don't know. You might have a question for the end of the podcast, but I have a good one. What was your favorite childhood, like, book or series growing up? For this one? Like, if you're going to, like, you know, we have, like, fun questions at the end. Oh, yeah, okay. Everyone say, what was your favorite book or series, like, when you were younger? What was your favorite one? Oh, I think I was a big Enid Blyton kid. It's probably <gasps> famous five. I wanted to be George. I, I wanted to be the books. Um... They were really good. I read them. I read like literally all of them. Famous Five, Mallory Towers, the Twins of St. Clair's, like everything. They were just, I, they were eight. They were the reason I started like drinking ginger ale. I was like, I, was like, I have to try this mysterious substance, mom. Um, I loved but, yeah. boarding school books so much. I wanted to go to boarding school so bad. I did not just go to school. Did I read that? In the button as well. Then I'm just going to school. Oh my God. So good. Famous Five. Oh my God. I read them. I started reading them when I was seven and I had to stop reading them because I was so scared of them. The kidnapping ones. I'm still to say scared of kidnapping. I'm not even kidding. That was What's the biggest fear of my life. Oh, my, oh, my <sighs> comfort series. It's still my com- one of my comfort series. The Princess Diaries. <laughs> oh, my I God. Know. I was obsessed. I only ever watched, they were movies, right? No, not yeah. the movies. Not the movies. The movies have <laughs> yeah, I've only ever watched the movies. No, they're completely different. I'm sorry. A lot of the characters have just changed. Like, in the movies, different. her dad's dead. In the books, he's not. He's very much alive. So I am obsessed with books. I don't have very much. <laughs> what about you, Ro? Um, I'd say it's. I didn't have a favorite book growing up, but a series that I went back to. I read it fully because okay, I'll just say it, it's a series of unfortunate events because yeah. the movie was like the first three books put together, and I was like, that's so cool. And then I think my brother had the books. He had like one, two, five. And then I got the rest of them, but I never read past number eight. <laughs> and they made the TV show and I was like, cool. And That's then I found out that they like did it for every book. I was like, well, I can't just watch it. So then last year, um, I think like Jennifer Mesh, April comes from me. So like April, I, re- <laughs> I reread them all. And I have to say the ending disappointed me. The last book. <gasps> I did like it, but I loved the rest of them um, <laughs> and reading it now, because when I was younger, I was like, oh, fun story, smart kids. But now I'm like, they must have been so tired by book oh, two. No. Honestly, Ro, I swear to God, because here's the thing. Maybe I was too young when I started reading these, but I only managed to get to about book five before I got so frustrated by the incompetence <laughs> of every single adult around yeah. them. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, okay, the evil guy, guys, Count Olaf. It's so obvious it's Count Olaf yeah. every time. And they're all like, that isn't Count Olaf. And I'm like, yeah. like that's the point are, now. That's the I'm, point is like that no one believes children. Like, that's kind of... Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming it is, but it drove me insane when I was like 10. <laughs> you know what I, mean? and I, I never read them. My sister was obsessed with them. I never read them. I'm going to tell you my sister liked <laughs> Every book in the series follows a formula of like, they move to a new guardian and they're like hopeful. Mm-hmm. And then Count Olaf shows up and they try to tell somebody and they're like, no, that's not him. Don't worry. And then like, there's the big premise and then they have to get out and then he gets away and then they're like, oh, another book happens. It happened like 10 times. Yeah. I still <laughs> wanted to go. I love them and then got bored of that because it was like the exact same premise. Yeah. I thought I would, and but I then I think by it. like six, they changed it. Oh yeah, it was like one, two, three, four was the same. 
and then five they went to like a school and six they went like a village and it like changed slightly it changed slightly each time and i was like Mm, I think number nine was my favorite. Brian is like, this enough, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel like surely there was easier ways for Count Olaf to make money. Like, I'm sorry, but he should have just robbed a bank or something. Like, was it worth <laughs> chasing these siblings to pay <laughs> <laughs> like, See, that's where motive comes in, Gabby. Obviously, what's <laughs> motive? No, he was the most incompetent kidnapper ever. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Who plays in the movie again? I can't remember. It drove me insane. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Oh my God. Thank you. Eve, have you said your book, your, your childhood book? No. Uh, I don't know. What, did I? I said I love boarding school books when I was younger because I, I loved <laughs> it of going with boarding school. But I loved, I loved Narnia. I loved Inu Button as well. I loved, oh my God. I was, okay. I was not a horse girl. My sister was a horse girl, but that means I was a horse girl by association. So I read a lot of horse books. Um, and one of those books was Heartland in the series of Netflix. It's the best series ever, but they took the first seven seasons off Netflix. I'm screaming. So um, my favorite books as a young, I don't, I don't like, I had a lot of books. I was just like, my dad used to read books and I would like correct him on his like spelling and grammar when he would speak books. I think he did that on purpose. I'm mean, being did it on purpose, like try and teach me spelling and grammar. But I was one of those people who like books were banned at the dining table because we used to read books 24-7. Like that was our life. Like me and my sister's life. We just read books all the time. Um, but I definitely think like Narnia and boarding school books for me were like the peak. And the movies, Narnia. the Narnia movies. Oh my God, they're so good. My book, oh, probably if I had to pick, do you know... Um, out of the Hawthorne tree? Those oh books. Oh my God, yeah. Um, I love yeah. these books like, too. When I was really small, like... Oh, I must have small, small. Like, m- before I could read, my mom used to read them to me. <laughs> like, it's in, like, a bedtime story. And we'd read, like, <laughs> a chapter in line. And, like, sometimes I'd, like, convince her to do another chapter because I could not read. And she was there, like, reading them to me for bed. And um, I just loved that. And then went on holidays in the summer. And, like, she'd, like, bring the book. And, like, that was, like, our time. Um, But, like, I just, like... I can't believe how young I was when I knew about spam and now looking back. But like it was, then I read them multiple times, like since like when I was younger, when I could read, like when I was like eight and yeah. like 10 and 11, 12. Um, and like the writing is just so good, but the way she told the story about the famine was mm. just, it was just really, really good. I think she captured like so many different people's stories yeah. within like throughout the time of the famine and like that connection to Ireland um through just like these three little kids um but I just loved it it's like we were saying but like it made it personal like I love history books when I was younger too like I adored them I used to read like all her books like the blue horse like all her books I loved and then like Katie's war and like that's about civil war and it's actually about there's the dad that has PTSD from world war one it's really interesting and like I read that when I was like younger too history books like they're so good for children. They actually are. Like, they really mm. are. Um, and I wouldn't be me if I didn't mention Michael Porgo. <laughs> I was a big Michael Porgo fan when I was younger. I met him. Oh, once. my God, did you? Yeah, yeah, I got my book signed, War Horse. Oh, oh, I was literally just about to bring up. He's got a book as well. I can barely remember half. I read it, oh God, nearly like a decade ago now. But um, A Twist of Gold, which is also <gasps> Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. But, oh, my God, his book, what's it called? It was with the elephant. Death in the Garden. No, no, no. He was like, it's this boy in a jungle. It used to be my favorite book. Oh my god, Into the Wild. I love that book. Yes, yes. I, I do, it was the tsunami, and it's mm. that book is. I would read it again today. I have all his books. Oh my god, Into the Wild. Also, when he's uh, there's one of the girl who like 
it was like she was writing it for her granny and she was like a sailor i can't remember oh the granny o'malley one no that's a pirate one <laughs> oh oh wait no, uh, alone alone on a wide white sea yeah oh my god i love that one i loved oh my god lucitania which is about the lucitania in ireland it's called lucy the book is called lucy i love in the garden so is set in books. germany during the world war Two. huh mm. It's so many books. I have literally my oh, like. Yeah. I had all of the books up until the Lusitania one because that was when I stopped reading him. Really, was Lusitania one, and like up until that point, Ender had every single book by him. I was obsessed they, with him. They all absolutely slap, to be honest. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he had a very like distinct voice. Like, he was like British. Like, that was his thing. Like, it was like, like a lot of his books are like British during the war, and like he was like, yeah, like that was his thing like I, we get it i understand but to be fair like the elephant in the garden was set in germany during the war and it was really like for me it was the first book i read from a german perspective during the war and it was really really well written and even like his irish books were quite written like well written like the twist of gold for example like in the the one thing about the book why i brought up the fact that these are british authors because in twist of gold like they meet like a british sergeant who's like really nice to them and everything which would have been quite rare i guess in ireland in the famine times but we'll forgive it because it was definitely not totally never ever happened it's just like you know it definitely had a unique perspective which was his perspective obviously growing up but they were really good what was the one with the, the cat who used to escape out the window and like it was like on the beaches in britain when they would like do the war shootings and stuff oh adolphus adolphus tip there was another one about, about a cat as well it was the, <gasps> the titanic, titanic one the titanic yeah yeah the prince yeah, or something or other yeah the titanic one yeah okay that was so good Sorry, that, we're going on for so long. It's an error. Yeah, and that was actually a really nice, like, finish question, though. Has everyone gone twice? Yeah. Okay. Does anyone have anything they need to say for you? Um, <laughs> just to add to your Under the Hawthorn thing, we read all three of them in primary school, and mm-hmm. the third one was my favorite when Peggy, like, emigrated <laughs> yeah. to America. That's the second one. Oh. Maybe it was my favorite then if I thought it was the Watch third. <laughs> no, the second one, second one is Peggy in America, and the third one is like um this the big sister and the brother. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the third one. I love all of them. They're all good. Yeah. Yeah. Recommend. The, I what her name? Like, like Martin tell Helena Tom. It was it was a Martin, name. Marina Ta- Marie Mar- I thought it was Marita. Because Mar- Mar- Martha. Marita oh, yeah. Marita That's it. Yeah, I so think good. like for me that like because I read the first one and loved it I think I read the first one a few times before I read either second or third one but for me it was like okay so things don't just stop when like again like the mm. famine ends or the war is over mm. it's like no people have to emigrate people have to build a new life for themselves they've lost yeah. people I think that was a, like I like, really like well that she done. did continue that on yeah because I think for children like that was a really like important perspective to have yeah um but if we're good, Gabby, yeah, do you want to yeah. catch us out? Stay Australia? hydrated. <laughs> Stay hydrated, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so true. Um, okay, guys. Um, Ahin, Ado, at three. Slow. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our podcast. Also, you can read the entire transcript of every episode in the link to our Google Drive, which you can find on our Instagram. Once again, online youth information chat is live from 4pm to 8pm, Monday to Friday at ymca-ireland.net slash question or find YMCA at YI Young Voices. Every second Thursday we will release a new episode, but for now, slán! <laughs>